0: Hi all, welcome to Anime Echoes where we look at anime, manga, light novels to see what lies underneath these stories. This is an analysis of the fourth and final part of Bakano volume 2. So last time we left off with Jacuzzi about to become the kind mafia boss he was always meant to be. So we start off with quite a bombshell. We find out that Sezlo Maia, the boy starting with C, still can't say his name, was brutally murdered by the rail tracer. Um, I I was spoiled about some stuff in regards to this so I won't try to explain anything else. So let's just move on to the next section which is to do with the woman in coveralls. So she appears in front of Mrs Berry and she takes out one of the black suited goons. Apparently she has a burst tone and she's in her 20s. Her coveralls were covered in suits so now she has all this like dirt everywhere. We see an image of her and she looks really really cool. We cut away to Ennis, and she's actually living with Fira. Ennis is really looking forward to seeing Isaac and Miria. When Ennis is happy, Fira smiles. I love this scene, seeing Fira smile when Ennis is happy um, and when she's looking forward to something because, for the most part, she was a slave to a master in the first volume. So watching her have her own agency in her own life is really heartwarming. Now we come to find out from Fira that Claire is a childhood friend. Fira says Claire is agile, with insane upper body strength, and that Claire used to be in the circus, so she's more of an acrobat. Now, at this point, I definitely thought the person in the image that I just told you guys about, um, and th- so the person that was helping Mrs. Barium was Claire. So, as the woman in coveralls and the Barium family, so Mrs. Barium and her daughter are running on the roof. A sniper, Spike, shoots Claire. She yells at them and says, you know, try to escape, I'll be fine. Um, and yeah, and Goose appears next to Spike, and he's kind of querying everything that's going on. He says, was the guy in white really an even match for Chana? So Goose does respect the strength of Chana. She is an assassin after all. The guy in white that he's referring to is Lad Russo, and he was definitely a match for her. Now, Goose being risk-averse says withdrawal could be an option, because the plan is kind of going awry from his perspective. Spike kind of pushes back on this, he says, not everything has to go to plan. But it's clear that Goose hates that. Goose needs some sort of plan. A plan represents a way things will work out. If something goes to plan, then the unknown never has a chance to interfere. Goose ignores Spike because something not going to plan is fundamentally something that he would rather not have to accept. It's elementally something Goose despises. He says despite take out China if you have the chance. So clearly, you know, they're not really uh, friends. <laughs> now we meet a black suit who's not really a fan of the mission and Goose. He's thinking Master Huey would never take hostages. He'd never kill a little boy as an example. I, I think he's referring to the boy starting with C. I'm not 100% sure there. We find out from this guy that China obeys Goose for the sake of Huey. She kinda has no choice, she just wants to save her boss. China idolizes Huey, and it's implied, at least for now, that it's not just for the blessing. Goose only wants the blessing. I think it's implied that the blessing is basically immortality. They reference that Huey's body is kinda like different but it's like important. Uh, I really think it's um, at, the, at that point when I was reading it, I. Definitely thought it was immortality. Now this guy, he ends up getting captured by Jacuzzi and Donnie. He's not the only guy who gets captured. The woman in Coveralls also gets captured, and now she's with Nice and Nick. Goose is thinking she's Vino because she kills excessively. So Vino is some sort of like crazy killer who like murders people, I guess gruesomely. She didn't think uh, Goose didn't think that Vino would be a woman, and he's really confident that the woman in coveralls, is Vino. But she just starts laughing at the fact that Goose is practically wrong. And she says she's seen the monster and says it's probably going to get everyone. It even killed a child. Goose then hears about the dining room and that people are vanishing, like his crew is vanishing. So basically he rushes to his men and leaves the three unguarded. So niece, Nick, and the woman in coveralls there's no guide whatsoever. It's clear that Goose is so focused on the plan not going awry that he makes a really simple mistake. This shows how frazzled Goose has become. Now the woman in coverall, she has like a fingernail that's kind of like um, like shark teeth, and she uses it to like cut the wire, and she ends up like freeing Nice and Nick as well. Turns out the red monster is attacking the dining car, and that's where the black suits are holding passengers as hostages. So these black suits end up leaving. And then the white suits come along, and they end up dying because Donnie basically destroys them. It's interesting because Jacuzzi comes along with a Thompson machine gun. He's smiling, he's confident. John and Fang are looking wide-eyed, so they are pretty impressed, I guess, by Jacuzzi showing up with a massive ass gun. The saviour is here, but as we know, he's using force now, he's acting like a mafia boss. And he states, We've captured this train. If you don't want to die, Please follow our orders. So we know Jacuzzi wouldn't actually do that, based on his character, but he's definitely using force. Now moving back to Spike, through the scope of Spike's sniper, we see Chane is fighting the Rail Tracer. Through the lens, Spike describes the Rail Tracer's body as actually human looking. Spike actually manages to snipe Chane, but the Rail Tracer doesn't try to kill Chane, so maybe they weren't actually fighting? The Rail Tracer is now going at inhuman speeds towards Spike. Spike is shooting, 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 and the Rail Tracer keeps like dodging like crazy. He does end up actually hitting the Rail Tracer with another gun, but he was basically shooting himself the entire time. He notices he needs bullets to finish off China, so he goes for like a case. And then basically the Rail Tracer comes out of nowhere, drags him down, and Spike dies. He hits the floor on like a moving train. We learned the Rail Tracer wasn't travelling on the roof. He was holding on to the metal pieces under the train, and that's how he drags Spike down. He's definitely a monster. With the death of Spike, Goose is now realising that they're basically down to like six men, and Goose wants to escape. Goose feels like he's kind of out of his depth because he's not a military man. Goose reconfirms to himself that he's a terrorist, and just what a terrorist would do, he decides to kill everyone, and escape. Now right after this, someone throws a dynamite. Goose kind of chucks it outside, but there's more dynamite blowing the door up as well. We we find out that this is Nice and her kind of crazy explosion mania going on. During this scenario, Goose smiles masochistically through it all, and Goose decides to go into action. Could this be Goose finally letting loose? So back to the dining hall, Jacuzzi decides that John should probably take over after he hears the dynamite explosions. He's like, oh yeah, that's probably niece, and I need to kind of help her out. Something interesting John says to Jacuzzi is, you're not crying anymore. Also, you're being reckless, and aren't you afraid? Jacuzzi replies, I decided to not cry anymore and be ready for any pain. I am scared though. He has to save niece. He promised niece he'd come back alive to her. But if she's dead, he can't do that. It's clear he really cares about Niece, and it's great that he's holding on to his promise to her so dearly. Not only that, now that Jacuzzi is no longer crying anymore, he wants to showcase that who'll accept pain. He's willing to get things done. So Jacuzzi meets up with Niece, and then Niece actually gives him a bomb. Turns out she has a bomb basically in her eye. So one of her eyes that is covered with the eye patch right underneath it, She has a bomb. So we really see just how like bomb crazy niece is. Jacuzzi says that when he's making the bomb explode, he'll be thinking of her. Don't be creepy, niece says. Once again, it's a sweet dynamic and I really like it. So niece is also going on to the attack. Her eyes are gleaming, being a bomb maniac and all. So she's super skilled. She purposely used the bomb's placement so that she wouldn't like destroy the train completely. She's throwing these bombs at Goose basically. Now they decide to run away and as they run away Goose actually traps them from escaping. He outsmarts them and hauls them both with two firearms. Nice notices he's about to shoot Nick so she surrenders the dynamite. Goose is about to kill Nick but Jacuzzi comes along and goes on the offensive. Goose manages to get his arm but Jacuzzi lets his machine gun rip forcing Goose to hide. In the commotion, Nick and Niece escape and Jacuzzi closes the door. It's said that Jacuzzi had like a devilish air around him, which I think is another reference to the fact that he's perhaps enjoying himself throughout all this. When Goose crawls out, he's wearing an evil looking smile. He might be enjoying himself too, but his eyes showcase flames of hatred. Once again, just like all the references to the eyes before, the eyes are more valuable than the overall expression, it reveals character. While he may be enjoying some aspect of the moment, which is showcased through his masochistic smile, deep down, the eyes reflect a higher truth. He's livid. He's mad. Goose wants the blessing and sees all the problems before him as a trial that he needs to overcome to obtain that blessing. For someone so practical who hates to speculate and really cares about the facts, you would think that Goose would never have believed the potential for immortality to begin with. But if Goose saw it with his own eyes, then I guess it would be something that he would want to have at all costs. Immortality, not having to worry about dying. He wouldn't even need a plan, he would be immortal. I feel like immortality is not just the elixir to a long life for Goose, but also a way for him to finally be fine with letting his guard down. To be less serious. With the threat of death no longer being an issue, the world could be his oyster. Now like we said before, Goose's eyes are bloodshot and it says he's discarded his humanity like Chano. I'm not actually sure what this means, so maybe it's explained later, but I think it's more so that he's on a path of carnage. So Goose asks one of his subordinates to basically bring a certain equipment in the commotion. Now using this heavy weapon, he's gonna go after Jacuzzi like a madman with smile and angered eyes. So he's going after him and basically his men are going after Nice and Nick through the compartments. So Goose is going on the roof and his men are going like through the actual carriages. Now they're kind of having like a standoff, Goose and Jacuzzi. Now, and despite everything, Jacuzzi actually doesn't want to kill people. The pep talk from Isaac and Mira helps sort his feelings out, but he really still doesn't. But he knows he has to. He knows he has to beat Goose. Now the equipment that Goose got was a flamethrower, and the flamethrower is kind of special. It actually has an insane range, where it fires all the way to the end of the other side of the roof. Jacuzzi dodges some barely, but he tries to shoot Goose, but he's also out of bullets. The flamethrower is an example of the advanced technology from the Lemurs. So yeah, I think the Lemurs are ahead of the time, and we hear that this is actually Huey's flamethrower's so Huey specifically is maybe ahead of the times, and I think he may have got this way because he's immortal. So moving on to the black suits in the dining room, they chase after Nice and Nick. Now Nice and Nick go through a door, and basically the black suits try to open the door, but they can't do it. And then they hear the sound of machine guns, like many many, many shots, and it's like coming from behind them. So the black suited men have no choice but to drop their weapons and turn around. Turns out All the passengers have firearms, and they're basically holding it up towards them with a frightened look. Now the black suited men have no choice but to drop their weapons, because they think that all the passengers have loaded guns. So in this case, I guess the hostages or the passengers are number one, and the black suits, zero. They're really not getting anywhere. We find out that from the black suited person that Jacuzzi ends up kind of kidnapping and talking to, they learn basically the entire plan of the black suits that they want to siege a train and because of that, Jacuzzi basically figures out that there would be a lot of spare ammunition on board. Now, all of the passenger weapons weren't even loaded. It was just a display to add fear and create some scene of deception. Only John and Fangs were loaded with live rounds. Now, John and Fang are talking about how when people get taken hostage, they end up forming some strange trust bond with the, the person who's actually taking hostage of them. Now what John and Fang are trying to say is that Jacuzzi actually hijacked that trust that people and criminals get when they are hostages. He actually gets the hostages on his side. That's what's amazing about Jacuzzi. Now this could be a reference to the idea of an I ate you, or eating in general. So the idea is if you eat something that ate something, they say you eat that other thing. So if somebody picks up a bag and has lots of money in it, that person has both the money And the bag. So I guess in this case, not only did Jacuzzi take over the compartment, but he also got the hearts of the people. He actually got the passengers to work with him. Yeah, they were frightened, but they still trusted him. Like they actually decided to basically hold guns with nothing in it, to point them all at the black suits. He changed their minds. Now back up on the roof, Jacuzzi is now facing Goose. So, He's basically concerned about Goose's firing range, because if he actually gets near other people they might get incinerated as well. Now Goose wants to burn everything, but he's keeping the fuel of the flamethrower on his mind as well. So what he does is he cuts the range of the flamethrower by half to save fuel. So Jacuzzi in this moment couldn't figure out a way to actually make sure that his friends stay alive and himself alive. So basically he's like, you know what, I might just charge him. And then he hears people just screaming. A familiar scream though, going, ah, like he he knows, he knows the scream. Now, upon hearing that, Goose feels obligated to actually check out what's going on. And it's kind of showcased that this might have been like a fatal mistake in the moment. And we kind of get through Goose's kind of thought process. Or, like, why he does what he does. Was it because he had the ultimate weapon? So is it is it because he has the flamethrower, so he's very confident? So is it because of the carelessness, because of his sure victory? Or was it because of his policy to investigate any abnormalities that come up as a rule? Either way, the southeast wind has arrived. It was Isaac and Mira. And they're basically holding onto a rope and, like, flying in the air. Now, we don't know how that happened, but it's... It's, pretty, it's a great opportunity for Jacuzzi. Now they end up like looping to like the other side of the train because of the momentum, and the rope actually lifts Goose's feet from under him. Him falling ends up damaging the tank on his back for his flamethrower. So this is the forward push that was promised, the forward push that Isaac and Miriam are going to give to Jacuzzi. So Goose ends up cornering Jacuzzi and asks him his name. Jacuzzi says, no thanks. If you live, then you might try to hunt me down, so I'm just not going to tell you my name. Goose is almost laughing because his enemy that's caused him so, many, so much grief was just a kid. A kid that looks like he's just about to like burst into tears, and yet his eyes look somehow reasonable. Once again, the eyes show greater depth. Jacuzzi rushes him. Goose is confident that he will burn the guy with the flamethrower, but The distance of the fire was low. In the fall, he had damaged it. Now Jacuzzi headbutts Goose, and it's from like the nose below, and he does it again and again and again and again. He's doing quite a bit of damage, but he does end up getting shot. Goose ends up using like this little muzzle where all you have to do is clench the fist and press it against something and it shoots. Now this might be our spoilers so skip a couple of seconds um, if you don't want to hear it. But I swear this weapon is the one that Mikado uses in like the second last episode. Now despite getting shot, Jacuzzi still slams him. He, has, he is grazed on the side, but despite the pain, Jacuzzi keeps attacking. He made a promise to Nice, and he's gonna hold on to it. We learn more about Jacuzzi kind of during this time. He's a crybaby, but he has a rule. If he makes his mind up about something he won't cry no matter what. So when Jacuzzi made the decision to get his face tattoo, he didn't cry even once. He had already made that decision so tears weren't allowed. A reason Jacuzzi does cry is because it's natural for humans to cry. I like that statement because I think it rings true in real life, but also the author's building some mystery as to why Jacuzzi is always crying. So it creates like potential for learning more about the way jacuzzi works. He keeps going. I think the times people want to cry are the times when they need to work the hardest. So I'll cry all the time when things are normal. So I don't have to pretend to be tough when times are just normal. I'll cry then. And then when this work needed to be done, there's no more tears. It showcases his resolve and why he's crying all the time. He respects emotions. He understands very well that people cannot act with the best willpower if they're having to maintain their emotions in a dire situation. It's almost tactical, but it's all because he respects his own emotional state. Now, another little tidbit is that five years ago, uh, Jacuzzi was 14, so he's six, so he's 19 right now. Now, despite all the headbutting, Goose still has Jacuzzi on the back foot with a kick. We see more of Goose's sadistic side Just like with Nader, he doesn't want to kill Jacuzzi quickly, he wants to savor it. Because he was unable to kill people, that's what did make him a military man, a professional. He's just too eager to savor it. A professional would just get the job done. Now all of a sudden, red lumps of ground meat start moving past Jacuzzi's legs and moves towards Goose. It was lumps of meat, so it's probably the Rail Tracer, but ground up. Considering how powerful we saw the Rail Tracer to be, what could possibly have broken him up into pieces of meat? Now since meat is being put back together, I guess we can infer that the Rail Tracer is also an immortal as well. Now Goose is now attacking the lumps um, of meat with the fire, but despite getting burned, they still heal. Jacuzzi notices that the roof that they're on is iron, so before he was scared that if he used an explosive it would probably destroy too much of like a compartment, but since it's iron, it's not going to like burn through. Jacuzzi has an idea. He chucks the bomb, which he got from Nice. The sparks from the flamethrower were sucked into the bomb, igniting it, and he explodes. Now Goose is flying towards Jacuzzi, but the explosion wasn't that big, it didn't really damage Goose that much, and now he's basically going towards Jacuzzi with a weapon, with a knife. Goose is saying, like, like, what are you going to do? Like, you don't have a weapon. Like, I'm just going to end up stabbing you. Jacuzzi states, my gun is my heart. So Goose still stabs Jacuzzi. Jacuzzi kicks Goose with his bloodied thighs, and Goose is flung back due to the weight of his flamethrower and because the train is moving. He's flung back, and unfortunately for Goose, the roof of the train ran out at that point. He smacked into it, and I think he dies. Jacuzzi won. I think we can presume that he's dead. I think what Jacuzzi meant by my gun is my heart is a reference to something Isaac said, but also because it holds true in this situation. Jacuzzi was constantly on the back foot with no weapon. And what got him through all of that was his sheer determination of will. His ability to push forward and keep a promise. Determination, keeping promises are all heart-based attributes. And ultimately, his weapon of choice, his gun, is his heart. Nice finds Jacuzzi after the win. She embraces him with a hug. But Jacuzzi says he might have done a little too much crying up till now. So listen, I'm going to say that those extra tears I cried were yours. He knows that the Rail Tracer is here. So we kind of get the impression that he's going to sacrifice himself because he doesn't want Nice to die from the Rail Tracer. The meats all come back together. The figure is now red from head to toe, and its eyes were filled with a deep darkness. It also looked like a portal to purgatory that absorbed all and trapped all the surrounding light. The colour of the light seemed to link to the afterlife, so I think the eyes once again are reflecting character. It reflects that this man is immortal, but reflecting afterlife could also reveal something more about the Rail Tracer, but I'm not entirely sure what it could be. So far, he's mostly an enigma. Now, I do know some spoilers in regards to him, but nothing about his character. Now, Jacuzzi tries to do like a suicide attack to take out the rail tracer. He steals some bombs from Nice, and yeah, he, I mean, he makes it seem like he sacrificed himself. The gren- grenades explode, and him and the rail tracer basically fly off the train. During this entire commotion, Nice is grieving but there's a sweet scene that she kind of reminisces to. Nice back in the day was playing with grenades and basically shrapnel ends up going into her eyes. She lost sight, she loses that one eye. She was crying and she was refusing to see anyone. Jacuzzi sneaked in and showed his tattoo and he says, now you'll be able to see which face is mine. He did it for her because due to the shrapnel in her eyes, she basically lost one eye, so she couldn't see as much. Her vision was less. But now that Jacuzzi has gotten that tattoo, he's easily recognizable. And Anise is sobbing, uh, thinking about how she won't be able to recognize anything other than maybe like Donnie's huge body. But she tries not to sob for Jacuzzi. For Jacuzzi's sake, because she also made a promise. But turns out Jacuzzi lives and they embrace each other but we don't really know how or why and he says that I'll tell you later only that the red monster is and then the story kinda just ends it ends with Jacuzzi noticing that well he's bleeding everywhere and he's passing out and basically he's about to cry so we know that regular Jacuzzi is back as for the red monster or the rail tracer it seems we'll learn more about who that is in the next volume. Now I know who the identity is but as far as his character it's very unknown to me. The last bit of this novel is in regards to the terminal so basically this involves Vera's group, Miser, Ennis, the Gandalf family, people like that. So we find out that the man Miser is waiting for is someone who tries to shoulder everything by himself and because of that he even gets lonely easily it seems like if he wasn't immortal, he wouldn't actually live a very long life, but since he is. We also learn about Claire, and apparently she's got a big ego, but she's very cheerful, and it seems to like hearing about her. We actually come to find out that Huey was the person that Miser was waiting for. And Miser's tense, so there seems to be some sort of sorrow there. Maybe the relationship was close, but maybe now it's no longer the case. Now I had speculated that the man that Misa was waiting to see was the magician and that the woman in coveralls was Claire, but turns out I was wrong on both fronts. Misa waiting for Huey and Claire isn't the woman in coveralls despite her elegant air. The magician actually comes out of the train and Furious group doesn't even know who he was. He does have an assistant and he's carrying the luggage crying so maybe that's Jacuzzi? Could the magician have actually mended his wounds? I know that Jacuzzi was looking for a doctor because he was injured. There's many questions that I have, and I'm sure it'll all be revealed in the next novel. Now, the last bit of this novel is about this information broker. They say there's an information broker who knows everything. I wonder if this is Isaiah. could be, could be not. Either way, this is the end of Volume 2. Now, I really, really enjoyed this volume. It was really packed, I felt like there was so many things that were happening, so many things to infer, so many possibilities, and even at the end, there were two twists that I just didn't see coming. I really, like, I was really confident that the magician was the person Miser was waiting for, and that Claire was the woman in coveralls, but that didn't turn out to be the case. And I'm actually really glad that's the case. Now I'm really looking forward to the next novel because those two things that I predicted just didn't end up happening. My favorite parts of this story was, so I really enjoyed the prologue because I felt like there was a lot of potential, just seeing like all the different sides and just getting introduced to the characters. After that, I really liked the three-way battle between Vicky and then Lad later, the black suits and Nick kind of coming in. Like that entire scene was super fun and then lad boxing. I also really enjoyed Jacuzzi's character. Like he really felt like kind of like the main character in this section of the story. He developed a lot. We discovered a lot about him and he makes a lot of promises that end up becoming really fruitful. Him and Nisa's relationship is really wholesome and his relationship with Isaac and Mira is also really wholesome as well. So Jacuzzi was probably my favourite character in this novel, and I don't think that would really be a surprise. He does get like a lot of focus. Characters I want to see more of would be Lad, Chane, and the Rail Tracer. I want to know what their deal is. All in all, I really enjoyed this novel, and I'm really grateful for everyone who ended up listening to me going through this. Tune in next time for the next novel, for Volume 3. Alright, thanks everyone. Cheers.